Everyone needs a pastor. A visit to the pastor's study brings biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you and help from those with proven experience in Christian service. We want you to be part of the program during the 30 minutes ahead. To visit the pastor's study today, text your question at 516-367-0391. Again, that's 516-367-0391. Now welcome to today's Visit to the Pastor's Study with Pastor Bill Shishko. And I am your host, Pastor Bill Shishko. We invite your calls. If you're listening on Saturday, live call in number 631-955-5400. That's Saturday listeners only. And any time of the week, you can text your questions, 516-367-0391. We love your questions. We put them together for future programs, or we'll pass them on to our guest speakers. Well, this is Education Month on a visit to the pastor's study. Today, let's tackle the massive subject of science and what it is to teach science under the lordship of Jesus Christ and in a way that's lined up with the Bible, the Word of God, our final authority for faith and for life. Now, let's face it. Come on, the world of science is daunting. Earth science, astronomy, biology, well, they're not too rough. But when you get into things like physics and all the branches of physics and chemistry and all the branches of chemistry, well, the waters can get quite choppy, especially if you're a homeschooling parent helping your child or your children through high school. And then, on top of these technical fields, you have more basic questions that grow out of your faith commitment to God and His Word. How do we deal honestly with the claims of those who believe that all things came into being by a big bang, when we believe that, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth? How do we reconcile the observations of those who believe that all things have developed by a process of macroevolution with the biblical view that God created distinct species with a special distinction in the way he made human beings? Should we believe that the earth is billions of years old, as modern science claims, or should we believe that the earth is relatively young, as the scriptures would seem to indicate from the various genealogies? How does the modern and seemingly universally accepted concept of relativity challenge the fixed laws of science that many believe grew out of a Christian worldview, or should Christians even be concerned by that issue? So like it or not, we face these heavy-duty issues as Christians, and however you're educating your children, homeschooling in a Christian school, or supplementing and, when necessary, correcting what's given in a public school, you need to know how to think through things like this Christianly, thinking under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So, how do you teach and learn science God's way, especially in the elementary and secondary levels? Well, when you have a person who understands science and has taught it as a, at a respected Christian school and then has gone to seminary to give intensive study to the Bible and then has gone on to be a pastor who guides people in things like education and educational choices that promote rather than detract from Christian discipleship, Well, when you have that kind of a person, you know you have a special person to help you think through science as God would have us think it through. In 1980, Ned Suffern 
received a Bachelor of Science degree in chemistry from Grove City College in Pennsylvania. For his junior year of undergraduate work, he studied at the University of East Anglia in England. Following his graduation, he taught chemistry, physics, and Bible at the prestigious Stony Brook School on Long Island. He then pursued theological studies at New Brunswick Seminary, where he graduated with his Master of Divinity degree in 1987. Following his ordination, Ned became Pastor Ned. He served congregations in New Jersey and Iowa, but since 2009, he served as pastor of Redeemer Reformed Presbyterian Church in Queensbury, New York, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. My wife and I have been richly blessed by Pastor Ned's passionate and faithful ministry when we're away in the Adirondack Mountains of upstate New York on our vacation. But, but I'm tapping Pastor Ned today for something different than preaching and teaching and pastoring. I've asked him to reflect on his expertise in science and relate it to how he teaches and guides people as a pastor. So the question for Pastor Ned Sufferin today is, how do you teach science God's way? I've got a lot of questions of my own for Pastor Ned, but if you're listening on Saturday, you can call him with your question. The live call in number six three one nine five 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 four zero zero, or you can text your questions anytime in the week five one six three six seven zero three nine one. I'll put that under Pastor Bill five one six three six seven zero three nine one. If there are questions about teaching science God's way, well, we'll pass them on to Pastor Ned. Hey, Pastor Ned Sufferin, thanks for being with us today on a visit to the pastor's study. Well, it's a privilege to be with you, Pastor Bill. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, I can just imagine you up in the beautiful Adirondacks. It's a great day up here. <laughs> great. Okay. Great day here, too. So, um, as you've had time to reflect on your science studies and then line up those reflections with your decades of study of the Word of God. Okay, so how do we teach science God's way? I'd like us to think under two general categories. Uh, the first is that we would pursue science with care and discipline, and the second is that we would pursue the study of science with a sense of wonder, that we are observing and learning about God's own creation. Whenever we go into a a chemistry or a physics or a biology classroom or step into a laboratory, it is God's creation that we're studying. So first, on that issue of care and discipline, the Bible says, Second Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved that God, unto God, a workman does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That deals primarily and originally with the study of God's inerrant word written down in the words of the Bible. But I believe that it also applies that we should be diligent as workmen, workwomen, who are studying the created order. Uh, Francis Bacon came up with the idea that the special revelation is God's inerrant word, and that is the word of God. It's the book of uh, revelation, of, of special revelation. And there is also the study of God's world. That's the book of God's creation. We should be disciplined as Christians in both areas so we can hold our head high as we step into the academy or we step into the world. 
uh, seeking to be a good witness for him. Not every theory of science has a slam-dunk priority over the Bible. Science rightly understood, and the Bible faithfully taught, are not in contradiction. And uh, there's examples of this from the history of science. I'm using a little book published by Christian Service Brigade, uh, uh, a book called Electricity, and they highlight uh, five great physicists, Michael Faraday, Samuel Morse, James Jewell, James Maxwell, John Fleming, all of these men, outstanding physicists, who also were Christ-centered believers. Michael Faraday uh, was noted for his faith in the unity of God. Samuel Morse said, it's not to us, but to your name, O Lord, be all the praise. Uh, James Maxwell said, Almighty God, teach us to study the works of thy hands, so to receive thy blessed word, that we may believe on him whom thou hast sent. And John Fleming uh, wrote about, uh, spoke about the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So these men at the top of their fields, and in the biological area, people like Kurt Wise, a graduate of uh, Harvard University's uh, studied under Jay Gould, an outstanding Christian biologist. These men show that you need to study in a disciplined way in order to have a voice in the public square for, for God. And secondly, that we would not only show care, but that we would have wonder that we're dealing here with the sovereign God and his creative work. And um, we are familiar with the famous words and John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. I'd just like to highlight that word logos, which is behind word, has two meanings that are relevant. First is that he spoke everything into creation, as it says in Genesis 1-3, then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and I believe that. And that says that God in the second person of the Trinity was intimately related with everything that was made. And a second meaning of that word logos is the idea of orderliness and logic. And the great faithful Episcopalian uh, C. Fitzsimons Allison writes in his book that that whole idea of an order and a rationality in, in, uh, in the created order help bring the Western world out of this idea of fate and darkness related to the natural world. People were thinking that there were spooks in the woods, and there was this sense that uh, I lived in this world as a victim of fate, or what in Old English was called the weirdness. But when Christianity came to Great Britain, the idea of God's providence came in, that the world was designed for the blessing of humanity at the apex of creation, and that this created order had within it the logic of a designer, an intelligent designer. And so we were set free not to fear it and hide from the creation in superstitious ways, but to go after it and to see that God's truth was also found in that book of creation, and that studying it, we could see the orderliness and give glory to God for that. As it says in Psalm 65, in verse 5, 6, and 7, even the natural order sees that 
that uh, God, we see the natural order shows the provision of God for us. Wow. So I think those two ideas, that we would be disciplined in our study as, as Christians and do our homework, and secondly, that we would have joy that this is something not to be feared, but to be embraced, wow. God's good creation. Great minds think alike. Your last point, some of that will come up in, in the Council for the <laughs> Pastor's Study. Now, Pastor Ned, I'm going to put you on the spot, and you may want to plead yeah. the fifth on this one, okay? Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Do you think that at least some Christians are, I'll say, slipshod and ill-disciplined in their studies of science and for that reason, rather than for their Christian convictions, get criticized by the scientific community? Yes, I think that could happen. I don't want to name names, but I do know, I do know myself yeah. that it's very easy on a Saturday night when you're writing a, finishing up your sermon just to, to get a broadside against the whole scientific community or against this group or that. And I think we need to be careful of that and to not give an inch on the fact that God created everything. And I happen myself to be, my best take on creation is that I'm a young earth creationist, uh, but I respect other Christians who uh, believe in the unique creation of Adam out of the dust of the earth and Eve of the side of Adam, all created uniquely, not descended from any other humanoid or ape-like being. And I, I really think that when you, when, you, when you are having fellowship with people who will uh, bring that basic fact, which is what my denomination says in the PCA, uh, that these are the key truths that we need to maintain, there is room for some variety with regard to other matters related to yeah, creation. Yeah, excellent. You can see why my wife and I so enjoy the ministry of Pastor Ned up at Redeemer Reform Presbyterian Church. Now, we're going to—we know, parents, you've got some questions about physics and chemistry. We're going to get to those with Pastor Ned after this message from the voice of a visit to the pastor's study. It's not enough to listen to pastors on the radio or to watch them on television. Everyone needs a biblically faithful pastor and everyone needs a biblically faithful church. A Visit to the Pastor's Study is a ministry of the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches in the metropolitan New York area. We're no substitute for a faithful pastor in a local church, but we are a supplement. Visit our website, www.visitthepastorsstudy.org, and you can bring the ministry of this program right to your electronic device. Here you'll find archives of past programs, a weekly message from Pastor Bill's Pastor's Post, helps for pastors, helps for congregation members, material for officer training, and much more. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. And we also invite you to contact the host of this program, Pastor Bill Shishko. You can email him at visitpastorbill at gmail.com. He'd love to hear from you so that he can bring his pastoral ministry to you personally. That's visitpastorbill.com. Bill at gmail.com. Remember, everyone needs a pastor. And now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Your host, Pastor Bill Shishko, with you today, teaching science God's way. My guest, Pastor Ned Suffern, former teacher of physics, chemistry, and Bible at the Stony Brook School on Long Island in New York, and now pastor of Redeemer Reformed Presbyterian Church in Queensbury, New York, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America nestled at the base of the beautiful 
Adirondack Mountains. Text your questions at any time in the week, 516-367-0391. If you want, you can call my study, 516-593-1507. I'd love to hear from you. Or you can email me if that's easier, visit Pastor Bill. That's all one word, visit Pastor Bill at gmail.com. All right, Pastor Ned, some of our listeners, and I would add the host of this program, our parents who are daunted by physics and chemistry, and you taught yeah. those subjects <laughs> at a Christian high school. All right, so what what should parents keep in mind when they teach physics God's way? I think one of the key things is to make room for the beauty and the exciting topics of physics without allowing yourself to get bogged down in the mathematics of it. As I saw kids coming into my classrooms, some of them struggled with the math. And so this really starts in the elementary school. Really ground your kids in mathematics, the multiplication, the algebra one, the algebra two, the geometry, so that when they're encountering the math of physics, they can just use that math as a, a one of the, the languages of science and then be set free to enjoy all the exciting things like electrical circuits and the nature of light, uh, nuclear fission and fusion. And these are matters that our culture needs. We need Christians in the middle of these disciplines to be discovering the things that are going to open up sources of energy, like fusion in the coming decades, we hope. So I would say focus on math and use that as a stepping stone to appreciate what God has put into place in the big things, the universe, and the very small things of subatomic particles. With regard to, to chemistry, I, I just would say, let's accept that matter is good. The Christian worldview is one that does not despise matter, but claims it is created by God. And uh, so when we come alongside of our kids studying chemistry, I think we should just, as parents, affirm this is good stuff. I know it means some memorization of elements and compounds and things like that, son. I know, daughter, this is tough, but I'll drill it with you because, hey, God made this, and it's worth your time. And guess what? This is the world that God's going to be redeeming. In Romans 8.20, the creation was subjected to frustration, but in the hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage. And so when we study the natural order and the details of chemistry, we're, we're doing something worthwhile. And, hey, you could synthesize the next molecule that saves somebody's life from cancer or from wow. heart disease. You know, this is exciting stuff, son. This yeah. is great stuff, daughter. So I'm going to walk through this with you. And, uh, and so... Well, Pastor Ned, thank you, my dear brother, for illuminating for me why I did so poorly in physics and chemistry. I did lousy in math, but that's that's water under the bridge. <laughs> so let's okay. Look, let's cha let's change gears a bit. You don't have a lot of time left, but you've done a lot of work with young people over the years. What kinds of things do you tell young people when you talk about to them about the Bible in relation to science? First of all, the Bible is our final authority for faith and life. It is without error, and it should never take second place to a modern scientific theory. 
but it is also good to step into the classroom with a sense of humility, recognizing that the Church and science had conflict in the past, even Galileo and the Church, and both sides were quoting Scripture in that controversy. Uh, Galileo quoted Job 9.6, which in his translation was, who moves the earth from its place, and he said that there, this concluded that the mobility of the earth was not contrary to Scripture, and that was in agreement with Galileo's view that the earth circled the sun in a heliocentric way, whereas the Church was maintaining that the earth was solid and never moved and at the center of the universe. So let us step into the situation honoring the Scripture and recognizing that we need to uh, grasp it and claim it with all its authority, but be sure it's rightly interpreted, and um, let us not give up in our search for the truth. And, and Pastor Ned, maybe just add one other thing to that. What, what counsel do you give to parents who have, let's say they have their children in public schools, and they're concerned that their children not be unsettled as they hear things that seem to or actually do contradict clear biblical teaching. Yeah, well, I would recommend, first of all, that parents would pick up used on, online somewhere a copy of one of Jay Wiles' textbooks, and they are used a lot by homeschoolers. But even if you're a public school parent, you could pick one of those up for under $20 and have this as a reference that you could put right down beside the secular textbooks in physics, chemistry, and biology. He, I used the book when I was a homeschool dad and teaching my kids chemistry, and he's just outstanding. And you could use the index of such a book to help put the other point of view out there. He, he, he has a great reputation. And secondly, I would say, let's say to our kids, hey, this teacher at school is an authority. We know from Romans 13 that we're to submit to authorities. We don't have to agree with them. We don't have to say, oh, yeah, that's right. And I, I, I believe that man was descended from an ape. But we have to do our homework. We've got to pass the test. When I was in England studying, took biology and physical chemistry over there, I had to learn about the uh, peppered moth, which was an example of microevolution, where the peppered moth in the Industrial Revolution changed colors from being primarily white to primarily black. But because I studied that, and I studied it well, I was later uh, on, a couple years later, able to integrate that into my understanding that macroevolution, no. Microevolution, yes, God does allow existing species to adapt, but God does not create new body parts through evolution. That requires an intelligent designer. And so I would say, accept the authority of a classroom, study well, and uh, bring some good Christian resources like Jay Weil alongside of you. Now, to help spe- you. spell that, Jay Weil's, for our listeners. That's J A Y, first name, uh-huh. last name Weil, W I L E. What, W I L E? And Pastor Ned, real so quickly. W I L E. W I L E. Give us your uh, contact for Redeemer Reformed Presbyterian Church, your website. Oh, yes, it's rrpca.org. And. Uh, right in Queensbury, New York, 548 Luzerne Road. Very good. Thanks so much, Pastor Ned. A few years ago, 
I was speaking at a conference in Iowa, and I met and became quite fascinated with a doctor of veterinary medicine who'd done all of his graduate studies at secular schools. This brilliant medical doctor was committed to a biblical view of creation. He had a deep belief that God created the world in the space of six days, that species were distinct and did not develop by macroevolution, and that human beings were distinct from all other species as made in the image of God. With few exceptions, his graduate professors had no use for his convictions as a committed Christian. So I asked him how he and his professors could come to such different conclusions as they studied the complexity of, in this case, different animals, their finely developed muscular and nervous systems, their intricate way of processing food and liquid and fighting disease, and their specific formations, each so different and each so perfectly suited for their environment and their task. Well, the essence of my doctor friend's answer was, at the end of our thinking about things like these, my professors tried to find an explanation in evolutionary theory. For me, the end of my reflections on things like this was to worship our amazing God, and that's powerful. And it pinpoints the difference between a Christian believer's response to the complexities and wonders of scientific observation and the response of one who's not a believer in the true and living God. They must try to figure out how all of these astounding things evolve that way by the process of unguided chance over how many millions of years the believer in Christ studies these things and we should be second to none in studying them and then sits back and says, Behold our God. That's the best result of studying science God's way. Sunday's the Lord's Day. Be sure to set apart time to worship the Lord in a church that's faithful to the Word of God. And remember, everyone needs a pastor. You've been listening to this week's A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York Incorporated in the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches of Metropolitan New York and Connecticut. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. Listen in next week for another Visit to the Pastor's Study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.